Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 31 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. In the years following the murders of Alexander and Dorothy Wood, urban legends surrounding the case spread, with unsubstantiated claims published in the newspaper pages across Britain. Rumours suggested that the killer had posed the bodies, their glassy open eyes staring out through a basement window. It was said they were positioned to face the direction of the church across the road, where they stayed until they were discovered. According to Henry John Gallagher, Before his birth, Gallagher's mother and siblings were abandoned by his father while his mother was pregnant. Born on April 3rd, 1951, he was raised in Dundee, Scotland. Unusual for the time, his parents were not married. Gallagher took his mother's surname, although he often referred to himself using his father's name of Reed. 
young Henry Gallagher believed his father was a hero. He put the man he did not know on a pedestal, an object of escape from the miserable life Gallagher found himself in, even though his mother told her son his father left the family without money for food and essentials after he lost their meagre income while gambling. More than once she told her boy she was regularly beaten. Once so viciously, her arm was broken. Gallagher was convinced his mother never got over his father leaving, and she still loved him. Maybe that was just projection on his part. As Henry John Gallagher grew, he had a string of minor convictions... Nothing remarkable at first. He married, fathered two sons, but divorce followed soon after. Between court appearances, Gallagher took jobs waiting tables. Still like his father before him, he was fond of alcohol and gambling, habits that his minimum wage could not sustain. When he was 21... He committed a string of crimes that were undoubtedly a sign of things to come. In the early 1970s, in his hometown, Gallagher attacked a minister. Then the following year, in 1973, while in England, he brutally assaulted a priest at St Cuthbert's Church in Stockton-on-Tees. He was handed a sentence of seven years for the latter crime. While on licence... He would go on to reoffend this time in 1978, again focusing his rage on more members of the clergy. He faced yet another prison sentence, this time for three years when during the Christmas period he attacked another priest before committing a break-in in which he slit the throat of the homeowner's dog. The charges this time were robbery, theft criminal damage and assault. Surprisingly, at the start of May 1980, Henry John Gallagher, now aged 29, was permitted to leave prison in Maidstone, Kent, to return home for the weekend, 500 miles north in Dundee, Scotland. He was entrusted with returning to the jail on Monday, May 12th. Monday came and went, but there was no sign of Gallagher. Police in Dundee were informed, although he could not be tracked down. He could have gone anywhere. That was until five days later on May 17th. Suspicions arose that Gallagher had returned home, this time committing an awful crime at number two Rose Angle in the west end of Dundee. Sunday, May 18th. Four medical students kicked a ball around a small piece of grass on the way to a football match. With an overzealous kick from one of them, the ball went too far. It travelled through the air over some metal railings and into someone's front garden. Not wanting to disturb the homeowners or be late for the match, 
one of the students decided to retrieve the ball themselves. The address, number two, Rose Angle, was the home to Alexander and Dorothy Wood, a married couple both in their 70s. The three-bedroom century-old house was described as a Victorian villa. Beautiful original features gave it an almost gothic feel inside. As the student retrieved the ball, he looked through the basement window. Maybe he was just curious, or it was the dark, irregular patterns on the walls and the motionless couple that caught his eye. Alexander Wood was sitting in a chair. Dorothy laid nearby. Not quite like the urban legend of being posed at the window, a tale often repeated, but it was, however, equally horrific. The scene was so barbaric it almost appeared as though there was too much blood for just two people. It was later found upon examination that Alexander, a retired doctor with an artificial leg, and his wife Dorothy fought their attacker courageously. However, the assailant beat the pensioners to death and continued the attack after they died. The house had been ransacked. At least £2,000 worth of gold and silver jewellery which belonged to Dorothy Wood had been taken from the property, equal to over £8,500 in today's money. Was the motivation robbery or something else entirely? Chief Superintendent Jim Cameron, who was assigned the case, travelled to Two Rose Angle. The scene he was met with far exceeded the usual brutality he witnessed every day on the force. He described the victims as defenceless. What he saw stuck with him and was something that he could clearly recall even after his retirement. Cameron spoke with a correspondent for the Evening Telegraph. I'd seen a lot as a senior police officer, but this scene stays in my mind. It was a scene of carnage, very disturbing. I remember wanting to do everything I could to find out who had done this to these two innocent, elderly people. It was clear Henry John Gallagher had not gone back to prison and with his track record he quickly became a suspect. The Woods' home faced a church on Perth Street. His view is now obstructed by trees but back in 1980 it would have been more visible. Could Gallagher have mistaken their house for one occupied by a member of the clergy? Even though he was a wanted man not only for failing to return to prison but as a suspect in the murder of Alexander and Dorothy Wood, Gallagher's photograph did not appear in a single newspaper across Scotland. Concern arose about bias in a future trial if his face was linked to the murders in numerous press reports. Henry Gallagher quickly left Scotland and ended up in the seaside town of Eastbourne. 
He went out on tourist day trips, even joining other sightseers on a coach for an excursion to Windsor Safari Park. Gallagher then travelled to Kent, although not the town of Maidstone where he was meant to return to prison, but another seaside town, Ramsgate. By Friday, almost a week after the killings, he was seen drinking at lunchtime, then again later in the evening. The owner of the Red Lion pub thought he saw Gallagher playing pool with a young couple for approximately one hour. In that short time, they readily offered to set up Gallagher with fake documentation. They were not aware he was wanted in Scotland for a double murder. He confessed to them that the Scottish authorities were looking for him, but for the far less severe crime of dealing cannabis. The conversation wound up with Gallagher asking them where he could find the nearest Roman Catholic church. He headed for the hustle and bustle of Harrison Road. There was a market on that day, and Gallagher mingled with the weekend perusers and shoppers until he found St Ethelbert's. Gallagher was seen entering the presbytery, situated next to the church. He was greeted by 88-year-old Paul Edward Hull, a Benedictine monk known as Edward, along with his housekeeper, 73-year-old Ethel Maud Laleen. Ethel went to prepare tea for the guest, who seemed desperate to confess. She set tea for three people in the study at the front of the house. It is believed at one point in the confession... Ethel had left the room and was called loudly by an alarmed Edward. Perhaps Gallagher had confessed to beating the woods to death in Dundee just six days earlier. An hour after the stranger was welcomed into the presbytery, loud noises could be heard. Father Edward Hull was long overdue retirement. He had not long suffered a stroke. He was an active man. He had served in the Royal Air Force as a chaplain in World War II, and later he was a school headmaster. Father Edward Hull loved the job he had been doing for over 60 years and was stubborn about leaving the post he was dedicated to. Half an hour later, a priest went into the presbytery. It was the second scene of carnage that Henry John Gallagher had needlessly created in a week. Edward and Ethel had been brutally attacked with Edward's walking stick. The scene was quoted as resembling an abattoir. Blood covered the study, the walls, the ceiling, the floor and the teacups that Ethel had kindly prepared to welcome their guest. Edward had stood little chance. In a back room, Ethel was found. Amazingly, she was clinging to life, but she was not conscious. Henry Gallagher fled Ramsgate before the bodies of his latest victims were found. 
Later, he used public transport, wearing a pair of flared jeans and a green T-shirt. Authorities were eager to find out where these clothes came from. Were they purchased from a shop, stolen, or maybe even taken from a washing line? The crime scene was so bloody that the clothing worn by the assailant, who at the time was assumed to be Henry Gallagher, would have been saturated in blood. So much so it would have been impossible to walk the streets without attracting attention. He could not have gone far before changing. But where were his old clothes? Were they in a laundrette? Perhaps dumped where he got his new clothing? Or did he plan the murder? taking a new set of clothes with him. Gallagher headed 100 miles southwest to Brighton in East Sussex. Once at the south coast, he checked into a guest house. He realised that he had an easy opportunity to blend in. There was a skinhead rally that weekend, and he thought it a good idea to change his appearance and create the perfect disguise. But in an attempt to get rid of his most distinguishing feature, he ended up standing out more than ever. Not accustomed to using a razor on his head, Gallagher's scout was nicked and cut severely. Some patches of his hair still remained. By this time, Henry John Gallagher's picture was all over the newspapers. He just so happened to hear the owner of the guest house voice her concerns to another member of staff about the man they had staying there with cuts to his scalp. Gallagher fled immediately before the police arrived. This time, the distance he travelled was even longer, 270 miles. He was now in the city of York in northeast England. A description of the escaped convict was given as 5 feet 10 with a slim build, brown eyes and ginger hair that had been shaved on top to give a bold appearance. On his right arm was a tattoo of a naked lady. His Scottish accent was described as soft. He had a polite manner which is likely how he disarmed his elderly victims. Though travelling alone, Gallagher was adept at making small talk with people and becoming their temporary acquaintance. Anyone involved with the church was given a warning to be vigilant because of the fugitive's track record. The public were informed not to confront him. A representative for Kent Police stated, He is extremely dangerous. We just want to speak to Gallagher in connection with the crime. The police had been waiting at the bedside of Ethel Maud Laline, hoping she would gain consciousness so she could answer their questions. Sadly, on May 26th, while in hospital, she succumbed to her injuries three days after being brutally beaten. The next day, a police spokesperson said, I can't stress how badly we want to interview this man. As well as clergymen, doctors were told to stay on high alert. 
The public were informed Gallagher had a medical condition that could require treatment, though the exact health issue was not disclosed. Police in Scotland were also as eager to find and talk to Henry John Gallagher. There were concerns he was hiding out in a yacht in Ramsgate. He could have possibly left the country going to Calais in France through the Ramsgate International Hoverport. An all-port alert was issued. A thorough search was undertaken from wastelands to cemeteries in case Gallagher was hiding out. It was later thought he left the scene of the Kent murders using public transport, likely by bus. Although he was in York, witnesses reported seeing him all over the country, which only added to the confusion. The public were angry and confused about why a dangerous inmate like Gallagher was permitted to leave prison for the weekend and travel 500 miles departing England to go to Scotland. Secondly, it was an unsupervised release. Some MPs expressed their dismay at the delay in alerting the clergy to the danger Gallagher posed. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Seven days later, shortly before 10 a.m. on May 29, 1980, Henry Gallagher arrived at St. Chad's Vicarage in York. Unkempt and wild-eyed, he waited for the door to open. Gallagher had taken to wearing a yellow and white cap in a checkered pattern, jeans and dirty plimsolls. By now his face was familiar, printed on the front pages of many newspapers. He was on the edge. The door was opened by a woman. Perhaps Gallagher expected her husband, the vicar, to answer. Dorothy Hall had been washing up in the kitchen when she heard the doorbell. The stranger on her doorstep spoke to her in a distinctive Scottish accent while the woman looked at the man on her porch and wondered where she knew him from. The stranger asked if he could clean their vehicle. There was no car in the driveway. She explained nervously, perhaps in hindsight more than she should have, that the car was with her husband and her husband was not home. The man asked to be directed to the nearest Roman Catholic church. Dorothy's initial assumption was the man was homeless. In fact, he had stayed in a shelter the night before to remain under the radar. He had not been able to wash or clean his clothes. Dorothy Hall later said, I took him to be a tramp or something like that. He looked a bit odd with his head shaved. He had a suspicion of a Scottish accent. After the unexpected interaction ended, the man walked away and the front door was closed behind him. That fuzzy, vague familiarity became clear to Dorothy. She had just had a conversation with a man wanted for murder. Dorothy Hall rang the police immediately, but before the authorities arrived, Gallagher had scurried away. He had made it one mile away to the doorstep of another property on Dalton Terrace, home to Father Hugh Curriston and Father Bernard Boylan of the Church of the English Martyrs. Gallagher knocked on the door, no answer, but there was movement in the house. Upstairs, they were waiting for the unfamiliar caller to leave. He tried the back door. It was locked. He came back around to the front porch and made himself comfortable on the step, smoking a cigarette. In the property, the phone rang loudly. It was a call from St. Chad's Vicarage. A warning danger could be coming their way. Henry John Gallagher had left his resting place. 
and was now out of sight. He had fled, but a uniformed officer saw him. They locked eyes. Gallagher started running. They were not far from York train station and the fear was if Gallagher got on a train, he could disappear and murder again. Instead of running to the station, he jumped on the back of a moving lorry. By now, three officers were involved in the chase. After the vehicle went over a bridge, Gallagher jumped out of the back of the lorry and continued his getaway on foot with officers in hot pursuit. He sprinted over a railway, but ended up cornered in a back garden. The homeowner, a widowed pensioner, Anne Galicia, saw the trespasser and later said, I saw this deathly white man who looked terrified as the policeman closed in on him. Maybe exhausted, he did not put up much of a fight and admitted who he was to the officers, saying, I am Gallagher. You got me. The fugitive was taken to the local police station and was later brought back to Kent by officers from Ramsgate to answer questions about the murders. Detective Chief Superintendent Cameron made the journey from Scotland to Kent to question Henry John Gallagher about the murders of Dorothy and Alexander Wood earlier that month. Years later, he recalled the interaction with him. When I interviewed Gallagher, he switched from being perfectly lucid to extremely aggressive, as though he just wanted to stop the interview. A short time later, he asked to speak to me again, and he was perfectly normal. The former chief superintendent said of Gallagher's response to the brutal attack on an elderly couple. He tried to play it down, but of course I saw that room. While in custody, Henry Gallagher slowly began to talk about himself and his crimes. He told officers interviewing him, If I go to prison, when I come out there will be more. I'll just get worse. Something just happens, just snaps. I just keep hitting them. All of a sudden, I went into a blind rage and picked up a stick. I don't think I'm right in the head. I've got to be cured. I told a psychiatrist ten years ago there's something wrong, but he didn't take any notice. In December 1980, Henry John Gallagher appeared before Maidstone Crown Court. He had been charged for the murders of Paul Edward Hull and Ethel Maud Laleen. To go to trial for the murders of Dorothy and Alexander Wood, he would have to return to Dundee, where he would face murder charges under Scottish law. 
Henry Gallagher denied murder but pleaded guilty to manslaughter due to diminished responsibility. Speaking about his client, John Hazen QC defending said, He went to the priest to confess to two murders in Scotland. He is no monster that sets out to attack priests or members of the clergy because he dislikes men of the cloth. He had a deprived childhood with many beatings, the barrister added. It was evident that upon hearing the details of the murders Gallagher committed in Dundee, Father Hull was alarmed by the revelation. Gallagher noted the change in atmosphere when the father called loudly for his housekeeper and Gallagher became irritated. The elderly pair were upset and Henry John Gallagher attacked them in a frenzy. It was noted a witness had come forward and said they saw Gallagher leaving the presbytery, quote, walking like a zombie. The court was told the visiting priest came across the gruesome scene where Father Hull was lying dead and housekeeper Ethel Laleen was left clinging to life. Sadly, she would pass away several days later. Blood spatter was clearly apparent where the victims had been beaten with a walking stick. The property had been ransacked and personal belongings rifled through. Valuables were taken. The house had been dusted for fingerprints, though some were evident in the blood. Gallagher had a lengthy criminal history, and his prints were manually compared to the set on file. Henry Gallagher had been examined in Wandsworth Prison by a doctor while he awaited his court date. Dr Eldridge, a senior medical officer, believed that Gallagher had a psychological disorder. In a court report, it mentioned that according to Gallagher, he had been the victim of physical abuse at the hands of some members of his family and children at school. The judge would later tell Gallagher, the court should sympathise with a very heavy burden of responsibility, which rests on anyone responsible for your management in the future to authorise your release until they are absolutely sure of your recovery from your disorder. Henry Gallagher's plea of manslaughter due to diminished responsibility was accepted, eliminating the need for a lengthy murder trial. It was agreed the best place to detain him would be a psychiatric hospital, not a prison. Sentencing was delayed by a week to wait and see if there was an available bed at Broadmoor Hospital. The judge told him his stay would be for an indefinite amount of time, quote, with a restriction without limit on your discharge. It was decided Henry John Gallagher would not face trial for the murders of Alexander and Dorothy Wood in Scotland. He was to be held indefinitely in Broadmoor Hospital, perhaps for the rest of his life. Gallagher had been charged for their murders, but he never saw trial, meaning officially the Woods murders are left on file as unsolved.
So where are we now? The house, two rows angle, where Alexander and Dorothy Wood lived and died, has gone through some changes since their deaths in 1980. Now given a Grade C list status, which means it is a property of local importance, one that may have been moderately altered. After the crime, it stood empty for some time, until it was rented to students. This arrangement did not last long, and it was left abandoned again after just two years of occupancy. Over the years, it fell into disrepair. The roof caved in and harsh weather destroyed some of the interior. The abandoned, dilapidated house where a couple was brutally murdered served exaggeration and macabre stories well. It seemed things were going to change in the late 2000s, when the house was purchased again with plans to renovate it. Though the house appeared to remain empty for almost a decade, the windows were boarded up. The owner decided to sell up, putting the property to auction in Edinburgh during 2017. There was no interest, and the owner had lost the passion for the house he purchased. Each time progress was made, vandals would come and destroy it. He had asked £100,000 less than what he paid, but still there were no takers. However, in early 2018, banners were put up outside advertising a spring opening of the Babylon restaurant, a shisha bar. The owner said the venture was on track. I've been speaking to other investors but I've been focusing on some other businesses, he said. The restaurant never made the spring opening, and the house has been left to decay further. The Presbytery at St Ethelbert's Church, where Ethel Maud Laleen and Paul Edward Hull were killed, was demolished and rebuilt in the late 2000s. In 1994, a book called Blind Rage, issued through Granter Publications, was made available in some London bookshops. The limited print featured gruesome crimes written by the people that committed them. Henry John Gallagher had penned one real-life story in the book from his room in Broadmoor, where he had been for almost 15 years in 1994. He used the moniker Henry John Reed. Gallagher wrote a first-hand account of the day he killed Dorothy and Alexander Wood. He said he gained entry to the old couple's home through the basement. Gallagher did not detail if he knew before entering who lived there, if he knew the occupants were home or what he was doing there. Gallagher wrote that he was in the basement for a couple of minutes when Dorothy and Alexander opened the door. Was he making a commotion? Had they seen him climbing in from upstairs? An extract of the book was published in the Evening Telegraph. It read, The old woman pointed her finger in my face. She was that close. 
and screeched for the police. I put my hand on her arm trying to get her to calm down. And then the old man hit me with his cane. I told them both that I didn't want to hurt them and the old man struck me again. My head was buzzing as I swung round and shoved him. The old woman carried on screeching and was pulling my hair and I went crazy. I hit both of them with anything and everything I could lay my hands on, screaming and shouting at the top of my voice. I have no idea how long it went on, but finally I came to, and they were lying on the floor covered in blood, their eyes staring into nowhere, not moving. The couple had been repeatedly struck with a slater's hammer, a vicious-looking tool. One side of the hammer is square and blunt. The other side, a long, sharp spike, grows wider towards the joint. Gallagher ransacked the woods home. I travelled all over the south coast for a few days and sold the jewellery I'd stolen, he would write. The killer detailed his thoughts after the attack. I couldn't stop shaking. I howled with laughter and sobbed at the same time. I was violently sick. I sat there on the floor in a daze for a long time and eventually realised it was seven in the evening. I must have been there for two hours just sitting. I got up, took some money and jewellery and left. I went down to the station. I was trying to get to Edinburgh but made a mistake and got a train to London. Every time I thought about the old couple, I saw their eyes staring into nowhere, not moving, and I had to rush to the toilet to be sick. There are no records of Henry John Gallagher's death. He would be nearly 70 years old by now. There is no proof that Gallagher resides in any prisons in England or Scotland. Broadmoor Psychiatric Hospital is not obliged to either confirm or deny whether a patient is in its care. It is most likely that he has remained there for the last 41 years. The reason why he continually targeted representatives of the church or people who live near religious buildings is a question that remains unanswered. Retired Chief Superintendent Jim Cameron read the short story authored by the man he was sure was responsible for the case he wanted to officially close in 1980. The former Chief Superintendent told reporter Lindsay Hamilton, This has made me feel really good to know after all this time that we got it right. To hear that he finally confessed is amazing. It has finally closed this case for me. Knowing we got it right at the time gives me a great deal of satisfaction. I hope he never gets out. He should remain locked up until the day he dies.
thank you for listening. A special thanks to our new Patreon producer, Matthew Oakley, and everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.